wind blowing toward right field. If Alex could find something to pull, get it in the air, he would get some help. Familia's next pitch. Belted to deep center. Back goes Lagares. And gone, Alex Gordon. In comes the pitch. Broken bat, one hopper to third. And over to first in time. Runner going to try to score. Wild throw. Hosmer gambling that he could dash home on the throw to first base. And the Royals have tied the game. For the very best in baseball, this is the place you want to be. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Royals podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. And on today's show, we're going to look back at the 2014 Royals. Of course, one of my all-time favorite teams is that 2014 team. That'll continue theme week here as we're going through my favorite seasons in Royals history. Last week, we started with with uh, 2015. This week, we continued with 2013 on Monday, and now 2014 today. On Friday, we're going to do my favorite game of all time that I attended live, and so that'll come at you on Friday evening, so we'll get into that. But first, I want to talk about it being Jackie Robinson Day and some other things that are in the news right now. Although we're not playing baseball, today's still... Jackie Robinson Day, and we should still be thinking of him and honoring him for all the things that he did for baseball, for society, and for everything in this world. So I did want to get that out on the front end here and just wish everyone a happy Jackie Robinson Day. I encourage everyone to read about him today, even if you've read about him every single year on this day in your entire life. There's always something else that you can find about Jackie Robinson. Go watch the movie, go do something to honor Jackie Robinson. Usually, we'd be watching baseball with everyone wearing the, num- the number 42, but instead, we are stuck inside in a global pandemic. So, quickly wanted to say happy Jackie Robinson Day to everyone out there. Also, some Royals news that's also Major League Baseball news, which does not happen often, but Trevor Rosenthal, the Royals' new bullpen arm, tweeted out today that He expects us to have a timeline on when to begin play within the week. And that's really interesting. And that's that's something that, again, I've said that baseball has been rushing themselves and putting a deadline on themselves for no reason. But Trevor Rosenthal has no motive here. And I think that this is legitimate. I think that he shouldn't. I mean, he probably shouldn't have said it. But he did tweet out, it seems like we might have an idea by early next week what a return to play timeline looks like, and I'm all for a few weeks of functional isolation to get teams back and ready to go. Then looking in to kick off the season in an emotional way shortly thereafter. So kicking off the season in an, emo- an emotional way is interesting. He tweeted that out at 1 p.m. on Wednesday. So, you know, early next week could be Sunday, could be Monday, could be Tuesday, and also, you know, could be Wednesday, but it's interesting I'm not sure if we'll get that clarity. Um, he, sh- he certainly thinks that we will, and he- he's in the know more so than me. That's absolutely true. Um, of course, every commissioner, along with Mark Cuban, Robert Kraft, um, and Jerry Jones, are talking with Donald Trump this afternoon on Wednesday. 
They're going to have a committee about how to move forward with sports. So that's every single commissioner plus those owners that I mentioned. So maybe this evening we'd get a little bit of a picture. So it's it's not impossible that we see this come true from Trevor Rosenthal, that we see uh, you know, some resolution or some ideas or some legitimate plans that aren't going to Japan, that aren't playing the Grapefruit League. I mean, we can see something that can actually happen, or maybe something is agreed to by early next week. But that's something interesting, and that's gotten some attention today uh, on Twitter and, and throughout the baseball world. So maybe we'll be back next week and ready to rock and roll and have a have a have at least a, a time frame for whenever we're going to get back to playing baseball. Um, but we'll see how that all transpires. So again, today... We're going to talk about the 2014 Kansas City Royals and continue the favorite teams theme week on the Locked On Podcast Network. So you can go throughout the network right now, and for your favorite team, you can find their host's favorite seasons. Mine, of course, for the Royals are 2013, 2015, and now we're doing 2014. So we're going to do three, my top three. There it is. Let's start, and let's end the week with 2014. So, of course, you all know this was the first time that the Royals returned to the postseason in 30 years. They still, of course, had Ned Yost, Dayton Moore, Lonnie Goldberg, still the scouting director. And Alex Gordon was actually their top player with a 6.1 war. Lorenzo Cain had a 4.4 war. He came in second place. So this was a really good Alex Gordon year. And, and again, I mean, he only hit 266, but... The OPS was at was at 783. Of course, he has the outstanding defense and the run saved over run saves over there. This was the last Billy Butler year, uh, which was fitting for him. I mean, to at least get that payoff. You know, you're you're in Kansas City so long, you're the marquee guy for for a long stretch. Uh, was Billy Butler, and to get that payoff to go to the you know postseason and even go to the World Series uh, was was huge. And, and I'm glad that he. That he got that chance. I mean, you can say what you want to say about Billy Butler now, personally, but as a ball player and what he meant to this organization, I was really happy that he, of all people, got to experience the postseason because he absolutely deserved it. And then, of course, you have Raul Ibanez, the Josh Willinghams. I mean, all these guys who you kind of forget about um, being on the team. Jason Nix, I mean, played a huge role in that wild card game. Uh, Casey Coleman was on this team. Um, the biggest storyline, you know, of this team, or one of the biggest, I should say, because there's so many you can dive down. I want to talk about Brandon Finnegan. And not only was he pitching in the College World Series months prior to pitching in the Major League Baseball postseason, he looked like he was going to be the guy. At age 21, you just drafted him right out of college at, at TCU. You throw him right into the fire in the postseason. He performs extremely well in the postseason. I mean, the Royals do not win that wildcard game without Brandon Finnegan coming in the game, pitching like a seasoned veteran, pitching lights out. And so you have that aspect of this season. And the very next year, Dayton Moore makes the decision to trade him away for Johnny Cueto. And I want to applaud that. I mean, and I would have applauded that even if Brandon Finnegan turned into what we thought he could be. Because that takes a ton of courage. That takes a ton of courage to say, you know what? I know this 20-year-old kid 
just went out on the biggest stage in baseball and performed very well, and he seems to have a bright future ahead of him of a controllable contract of a, you know, again, controllable pitching is, is a hot commodity in baseball. You can never have enough young, cheap, controllable pitchers. And to give one away for half a season of Johnny Cueto for the chance of it ending in a World Series takes a lot of, of guts. I mean, that that's that's part of your resume. If it, if it fails, if the Royals don't get a World Series, then that will always be a, a mark against you, especially if Brennan Fagan would have became what we thought he was going to, especially, again, after that postseason run. So that's a storyline that I talked about in 2015 as well. But again, just it's incredible to me that he didn't pan out because he had he had big league stuff, and I just cannot believe that he just disappeared in Cincinnati. Um, and I know Johnny Cueto didn't pitch very well in Kansas City. I mean, he had two very good outings in the postseason, uh, but that's all you needed. That that's all you wanted from that trade was just a World Series, and you got it. So that's a win-win. You know, even Sean Manaya has turned into a very good pitcher that, sure, you'd like to have in Kansas City, but they don't win that World Series without Ben Zobrist. And Sean Manaya is the price you have to pay to have a World Series trophy in Coffin Stadium. And I'm, I would gladly pay it 10 times over. As much as I do enjoy watching Sean Manaya pitch, I, I pay that price 10 times over for, for Ben Zobrist because they do not win that World Series if they do not have Ben Zobrist. I, I truly believe that. But in terms of 2014... I remember, I remember Ned Yost having to beg fans to come to the ballpark late in that season. You know, just just begging them, just you know, these guys are good, these guys are good, come support them, blah blah blah. Uh, and then, and then it finally took off in the postseason. The support was there, and it turned into an electric crowd and one of the best crowds in baseball uh, for the next couple of years. So it's just funny how quickly things turn around. You go from a scrappy young team in 2013 that gives teams fits, but doesn't really contend to getting into the wild card game in 2014 and then sweeping your way to the World Series after a magical wild card game comeback and it's it's incredible to me just just what's happened in, in Royals history from that three year stretch of 2013 transitioning to 14 and then going wire to wire in 2015. After the break, though, we're going to do a deep dive into the season, some of my favorite moments and some of the things that. I'm sure none of you have forgotten. Of course, we all remember the wild card game in 2014. And we remember not sending Alex Gordon in, in the World Series Game 7 and Madison Bumgarner's just historic performance. But the fact that the Royals swept their way to the World Series, you sweep the Angels, and Mike Trout. You sweep the Baltimore Orioles. And then you push the San Francisco Giants, which is a dynasty that will probably never be duplicated in all of baseball. I mean, winning every other year a World Series is pretty good. And, you know, you push them to Game 7 as a scrappy young team who, outside of Kansas City, these names do not pop off the page at you. I mean, Alcides Escobar... He's a fine player. He was he was a lot better back then, of course. Omar Infante. Nori Aoki. I mean, these are guys. I mean, Eric Hosmer, he got the big contract. I mean, he hasn't really done anything with that contract. I mean, outside of Lorenzo Cain and Salvador Perez, you could say, they didn't have the stars. They didn't have guys who who you would take 
over, you know, uh, your own players, I should say. So, like, they don't they don't have guys that, that teams would want to steal, so to say. Uh, Mike Moustakis, again, in that season, he got sent down to AAA. I mean, people forget that. Mike Moustakis, in the middle of 2014, got sent down. He was so bad. I mean, this team worked. And it was a true team. And, and it wasn't... It wasn't predicated on one player or two players. I mean, top to bottom in 2014 and 2015, keep the line moving was was real. I mean, they truly needed one through nine to show up every day. And they did. And that is what makes this run so impressive to me is that you got all nine guys each year picking each other up, playing the game the right way. It wasn't, hey, you know, six through nine, are going to be automatic outs, but if we can get home runs out of one through four, you know, we're going to be in good shape. No, everyone that went up there had a job to do, and they did it. And, and baseball's not played that way anymore, and that's how quickly things change. I mean, this was only 2014. So they're, they're a refreshing team to watch if you want to go back in this time and watch some baseball. I would encourage you to watch the 2014 and 15 Royals because it, it, it's encouraging. And, I mean, you look at the pitching staff. James Shields is your ace, and he has a an over three ERA. Danny Duffy has a has a two point five three ERA in twenty five games started. He had a, a ton of success in the bullpen as well. This was probably the best Danny Duffy year that you're ever going to get out of Danny Duffy, I would say. And then you have the fully healthy three head monster with Holland, Herrera, Davis, which. Is there ever going to be a bullpen that, that duplicates this? There's a lot of things about this run that I don't think will happen again. I don't think that we see a run where you've gotten a Herrera, Holland, and Davis on the back end of the bullpen. Now, maybe we will because teams are taking the bullpen a lot more seriously now and they're transitioning into shoring up that back end of the bullpen, not just getting one closer, but getting you know three or four guys who can close games because of the Royals and what they did. Um, but... Even if that's the case and we do start seeing a ton of bullpens constructed with the Herrera, with the Davis, with the Holland, it'll always be tied back to the Kansas City Royals, and that's that's really cool. Um, but Bruce Chen was on this team, and he got an AL, uh, you know, an AL championship ring, which, again, going back to the Billy Butler comment, that is funny to see, and that's really good to see because Bruce Chen, I mean, he was bad, but... There was something about him that you just had to like about Bruce Chen. I, I couldn't hate Bruce Chen, no matter how poorly he performed. Could make fun of him, but I couldn't hate him. And he played in 13 games for the Kansas City Royals. And then you just go down this list. I mean, there's a ton of guys like Aaron Crow pitched in 67 games. And I always thought that Aaron Crow could be better than he was. And Tim Collins, I always thought he'd be really good. He can only play in 22 games. He's had a lot of injury uh, injury history. Brandon Finnegan is someone we've already talked about. Um, but my favorite moment from this 2014 team, it has to be the wild card game because that was the first time that you've ever seen the Royals in my lifetime win a playoff game. But I think it's I think it's really the World Series. Just sure, they made the playoffs, and that was awesome. Don't get me wrong. I did not take that for granted at all. But I never thought in my lifetime, wow, the Royals are going to be in the World Series. And then to pull it off, 
your first time in the postseason in 30 years to pull it off that year. And then not to mention that we didn't even know that they're going to return to the, to the World Series the next year. But to pull it off, I think that's my favorite part. Even though, they, even though that they lost, I think that was my favorite part of this whole season. And I remember, of course, the, you know where I was throughout this whole postseason run. And I remember after they lost Game 7, I, I just couldn't be anything but happy. I think that a lot of people share that opinion, if you're a Royals fan. I couldn't be upset. I wasn't mad. I wasn't even sad. I was just like, wow. The Kansas City Royals truly played in the World Series. The Kansas City Royals went all the way. We're going to have a banner to raise in 2015. A pennant. We're going to have a ring ceremony in 2015. I couldn't believe it. And then the very next year, of course, the Royals go wire to wire. So you can get all my opinions on the 2015 team as well if you'll just scroll back in your podcast feed right now and click on that. This is a fun show today. It's been a fun week kind of reviewing these three seasons that mean so much to me and I'm sure almost everyone out there that's listening to this because for me, it was the first time seeing winning baseball. And for some of you who were around the last time Kansas City played winning baseball, It was the first time in a long time that you saw them play quality baseball in 30 years. So it was fun talking about all of this. We'll be back on Friday to wrap up the week and, again, talk about my favorite game that I've seen in person. And we'll go on from there. Hopefully Trevor Rosenthal's right. And whenever Trevor Rosenthal says that we'll see an an outcome to this saga come out early next week, maybe we will. And we'll be sure to cover that right here on the Locked On Rolls podcast apart of the Locked On Podcast Network. Be good and be good to one another, and we'll see you on Friday.